to the Museum of Everything. This is a reminder to visitors of our Celtic exhibition that Scotland is closed due to bad weather. <laughs> Museum of everything, see? Okay, right, cheers, cheers and thanks, cheers, thanks, cheers, thanks, okay, cheers, cheers, cheers and thanks, cheers. cheers. Hello there, ch-ch-ch-changes, sang David Bowie in his 1971 hit, ch-ch-ch-changes. And there have been ch-ch-ch-changes here at the Museum of everything. <laughs> under new management. We have to say that on account of the fact that we are... Under new management. The previous curator was sadly taken from us. And has gone to a better place. Fort Park. <laughs> so we do have a new curator of whom a porcelain figurine is available in the... Gift, gift shop. Along with a white chocolate marzipan and nougat rendering of the previous incumbent. One to avoid if you are allergic to confectionery representations of the human form or, or nuts. nuts. <laughs> uh, we have been assured that pay and conditions will remain the same, which is, needless to say, a massive disappointment. <laughs> there has been some controversy surrounding the appointment of the new curator of the deluge of four applicants. Three had extensive experience of curating, museum administration and gallery design. Instead, the board, in their wisdom, went for the fourth applicant gravelly-voiced American singer-songwriter Tom Waits. And if you ask me, getting rid of the filing system and replacing it with an upright piano and bar stool is not the way to run a museum. So enjoy your visit today. Indeed, and please remember that the history of Saudi Arabian law enforcement on floor two is not a hands-on exhibit. In fact, quite the opposite. Cheers, Dan. following me as we enter the please don't touch the buffalo head mounted on the wall of the orangery. Despite appearances, it isn't dead yet. <laughs> now we are passing through the whispering gallery, a 90-foot long hall with such unique acoustics that it is said you can hear a whisper at one end as clear as day from the other, as I shall demonstrate now. Stay here, please, and try not to steal especially you foreign-looking student types, thank you. <laughs> so, the extraordinary acoustics of the unique Whispering Gallery. <laughs> you should be able to hear me as clear as day now because of the extraordinary acoustics of the stonework. Can you? Good. Now, following me, quickly, please, do keep up and keep fingers in cagoules where possible. Ah, oh, hello, dear. Jeffrey, don't sneak about. You could startle one of the staff and be attacked with the Korean military-issue pepper spray I've given them in case the National Trust come back for another one of their so-called safety assessments. Sorry, dear. Go and ask Cook to wash some of the oil off your wheelchair so that the squeak comes back and we know where you are. Yes, dear. Oh, hello, everyone. Uh, the old trouble and strife giving you the tour, is she? <laughs> Jeffrey, I've asked you before not to use rhyming slang in the house, you lemon. Lemon? Yes, Jeffrey, lemon. As in curd. It's rhyming slang, Jeffrey. For turd. Lemon curd, turd. 
Yes, I got that. As yeah. in excrement. Yes. <laughs> or lemon and ginger, you could do that. Lemon and ginger, disabled whinger. <laughs> You're not the only one down with the hip insults and youthful jive talk, Geoffrey. You're chump. No, dear. Are these people all here for the concert, are they? What concert? Oh, the new vicar arranged it to raise money for the local homeless charity. Honestly, if the homeless need money, they should simply open their house and grounds to the public like we've had to. <laughs> Who's playing this concert, then? Oh, the uh, Bagshot Symphony Orchestra. Lovely. Uh, playing Holtz's The Planets to mark the solstice. Oh, how nice. Followed by uh, Eminem and Dr. Dre, I believe. Dr. Dre? Uh, is, is that the new locum from the village? The one with the hands? No, that's Dr. Patel, dear. No, I won't see him, Geoffrey. I know, dear, and after what you said, he won't see you. Good! <laughs> then we're all happy. Well, ladies and gentlemen, I, I believe the concert starts at seven o'clock. Yes, that explains their disinterest in my fascinating tour of the famous Bagshot Gussetry. No matter... <laughs> Now, presumably, the concert is to be held on the West Lawn overlooking the Ornamental Lake and Trout Tickling Pavilion. We should all get a wonderful view from there as the lawn slopes away quite sharply. Yes, the landscaper says the gradient is about one in four on the lower section. Yes, so do watch your footing as we move outside. Uh, crampons are available for hire, but do put them in the bins provided and don't flush them down the toilet after use. <laughs> in fact, the descent on the West Lawn is so treacherous that uh, perhaps Geoffrey here should lead you down there in his wheelchair. What? No, Don't I, go I... along, Geoffrey. <laughs> <laughs> Don't make a scene, Geoffrey. Swim to the side. You can use your arms, can't you? Following me. Will the parents of a boy named Sue please stop listening to Johnny Cash songs? Um, hello? Uh, curator? Mr. White? Uh, sorry to disturb you, sir. I... Uh... Well, up a bar stool, why don't uh, you? I, I've got these job application forms you wanted to have a look at. Can I throw you a shot of green chartreuse and an Earl Grey blend, or maybe a bourbon? I, I'm actually fine. Perhaps the tears of a freak show vendor are straying through the carpet of a two-bed interior designer. Sorry, is this a bad time? I remember once in Abilene, dancing the foxtrot with singer Paul Lill. Right. Her husband was a one-legged jockey who bred parakeets for the mob and was unable to hold down a job for more than two weeks on account of his allergic reaction to daylights and coffee. That's bad luck. I had a cousin with something similar, I think. The Coney Island ferry sinks into the mud as washed-up debutantes and their slick-back boys yellow their alabaster smiles with Moroccan vermouth and cherry Coca-Cola. I'll just pop these on your desk, shall I? That'll be good, thanks, yeah. Watch out for the monkey. He's half-blind. Right, yo! There, there you go. Thanks, then. Cheers, then. Thanks, then. What a nice bloke. <laughs> Good day to you, kind sir. Am I correct in thinking that this is Madame Tussauds' most excellent house of waxworkery? Yes, Madame Tussauds, yeah. Two of your finest tickets, and please, noble young Athenian. We wish to see the waxen works. The queue starts over there, mate, down the street. The queue? The queue? May I 
ask who you think you're talking to? My good friend and I are not accustomed to queuing. Well, whatever. You've got a queue like everyone else. Do you know who I am? No. I am Sir Lawrence Olivier. <laughs> and this is my very good friend, Sir Derek Jacobi. Greetings, mortal. <laughs> Isn't Lawrence Olivier dead? And the last time I looked, Derek Jacobi wasn't fat with an iPad. It is a surgical support. I have a loose eye. I banged it once on Brian Blessed's chin. <laughs> you see, don't you think we know who we are? And we demand two tickets to see the exceedingly splendiferous waxworkery of our very good friend, Madame Tussaud. Madame Tussaud isn't your friend, mate. She died in 1850. Au contraire, my good fellow. Sir Derek and I dined with Madame only yesternight. I had a langoustine compote with crinkly chips, followed by a pint of foie gras, whilst Sir Derek feasted on ham and dog's eggs. Trayvon, Trayvon, to the ship. Oh, there goes my eye. Do not worry, my dear man. It has landed in my snapple. Look, I'm, look, I'm not going to serve you until you go to the back of the queue. The back? The back? Do you know who we are? who we are. Oh, I think I've made it quite clear that I don't. You, sir, are a smurf. Smurf? Come, sir, Derek, let us take our custom elsewhere. You're not the only major waxworks museum in London, you know. Yes, we are. Pedant. <laughs> thank you, thank you. Ladies and gentlemen. Ladies and gentlemen. Members of the Academy. Members of the Academy. Pray silence. Shouldn't they open? Can it really be? Can it be really? Right, right, stop, stop that, yeah? Okay, right, where was I? Um, can it really be a year since our last annual award ceremony? Well, yes, it can. That is, of course, the definition of an annual event. <laughs> Yet here we are, all gathered again to pay tribute to the world of the Tribute Act. Looky-likeys and looky-ladies. Once more, it's time to induct some more great names into the Mock and Roll Hall of Fame. Youch, Gravy! It's super cool to see so many fantastic tribute acts here. Don't you agree, McGee? Yes, Diesel, I do. <laughs> We've got all the big names. Uh, Justin Timberfake, Fakin' Stevens, The Clone Roses, The Crappy Mondays, Curiosity Kill the Copycat... And the king himself, Elvish, the Lord of the Rings Elvis. <laughs> Woo! Belta Delta! And let's not forget, all the way from the US, Kiss Take, the not real Slim Shady, Destiny's stepchild, and Half Nelson, the midget Willie Nelson. <laughs> we turn our faces first tonight to the award for best boy band tribute. In the past, this award has been held by such luminaries as Fake That, Boys Clone, even newer kids on the block, Kitsch and Sink, and of course the short-lived pop star's arrivals tribute, More Than One True Voice. <laughs> but our winner tonight, sponsored by the Yellow Pages, McFly Fishing by J.R. Hartley. <laughs> well done, dudes! You're the shiznit! 
Now, we beg your pardons now to move on to the next category, the best 80s tribute act. Crikey, blimey, Spandexorama! That's it, Diesel. It's a trib beauty of a field this year, ladies and gents. From the Midlands, we have Terence Stoke-on-Trent Derby. We also have horror fiend crooner Rick Gastly. The amazing S&M soul sensation, the Marquis de Chardé. 80s-tastic! And finally... We can't forget to mention the bizarrely Croft and Perry sitcom-influenced Duran Duran, my lord. <laughs> but to the winner of tonight's best 80s tribute act. Who can forget their amazing, really cool show last month in Brighton Aquarium? Yes, they are the undisputed kings of the underwater tribute scene. It is, of course, 20,000 human leagues under the sea. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, as I always say, it's only mock and roll, but I looky like it. Will visitors please refrain from photographing members of staff, as they believe this will steal their souls? Are you coming downstairs or not? Not! I've just put the kettle on! I'm looking at my new magazine partwork collection, Mum! It's new! You spend too much time on your own with those magazines. You need friends, my freakish son. Not anymore. This one's got a build-your-own life-size Bob Dylan in it. <laughs> yes, in subterranean homesick newsagents now. The build-your-own Bob Dylan collection. No need to hide in the basement mixing up the medicine anymore. Start building up your incoherent nasal mumbler today. Section by section, week by week, over 70 months. For the knock, knock, knock down on Heaven's Store price of just $2.99, regular price, all your material possessions. This depressingly pointless collection will answer all your Dylan related questions. How does he sing like that? What is he saying? Does he need a decongestant? How many roads must you walk down before you become the man who builds Bob Dylan? The answer, my friend, is just one The Road to the News Agents. Issue one of Build Your Own Bob Dylan comes with a free, lengthy, and grating harmonica solo. Good evening, and thank you once again for joining us for another Q&A at the Museum of Everything Film Institute. <laughs> Next week, I'll be in discussion with the film producer, Jerry Bruckheimer, the man behind such works as King Arthur, Days of Thunder, and Pearl Harbor, and asking him, why? <laughs> This evening, I'm joined by the man responsible for some of Hollywood's most spectacular computer-generated effects. Please welcome Darvid Winkler. Darvid, hello. Uh, hello. Or should I say, Nanu Nanu? No, you shouldn't. <laughs> Darvid, tell me, what has CGI done for film? Ruined it. Yeah, but other than that... Oh, right. Well, um, well, I think the main thing that computer-generated effects have done mm. is that where previously the effects were not generated by computer, mm. um, now with computer-generated effects, they are. Mm. <laughs> and how has that affected film? 
There's more monsters. Which is always a good thing. Um, has CGI changed the way we watch film? Well, it's certainly changed the way I watch them. Um, I used to watch them with my girlfriend over at her place, but since I started spending all my time doing CGI effects, I am now single and rarely leave my bedroom. <laughs> Darwin, talk us through the creative process. How does it work? OK, right. Well, um, first, I switch my computer on. Which I imagine is crucial. Oh, yes, without that... All the rest is wasted. Then I start by checking my emails for a few hours. Right. Anything interesting? Uh, yes. Apparently I'm being sent a million pounds for a man in Nigeria. Lovely. <laughs> Could you just fast forward on to describe the actual CGI bit? OK, well, um, in very simple terms, I get a bit of film footage and then I put a monster in it. Is it always monstrous? Oh, no, no. We can computer-generate people, too, mm. um, if an actor is, for one reason or another, unable to continue their performance. For instance, Oliver Reed, after he died in Gladiator, and all of Jude Lord's scenes in Alfie. Mm. <laughs> Alfie was computer-generated? Not just Alfie, um, all of Jude Law's films. In fact, Jude Law himself is entirely computer-generated. <laughs> Haven't you noticed how his face doesn't quite work? It, it is a bit boxy and the lines are too smooth. Mm, yes. He's done by the people who weren't good enough to work on Shark Tale. <laughs> so, can you give us a sneak preview of what you're working on at the moment? Well, I can, yes. Um, I'm actually involved in the CGI remake of Love Story, mm. where Ali McGraw's cancer is finally represented as the director originally intended. And how's that? by a thousand tap-dancing skeletons. Let's have a look at the clip. <laughs> uh, right, yes. Oh, thank you, sir. Yeah, fourth floor. Will do. Okay. Ah, oh, John, uh, is the curator in? Ah, oh, hello, Steph. Yeah, he is. I, I warn you, he's in one of his moods. Good luck. Uh, hello, Tom. I wondered if you could spare a moment. A moment, eh? Well, I once captured a moment with a net made of pure spikes, using the same swooping motion a woman makes when she lies. Um, thing is, Tom, things are getting a bit desperate in accounts. I've been on to personnel, but to be honest, since Janet's maternity leave, it's just been an uh, Janet, Janet, Janet. Janet's the kind of girl who'll give you two or ten cents for a hot coffee vendor for the price of a smile and the vague promise of a someday trip to a carnival in Saskatchewan and find she was pregnant the same day. <laughs> uh, we got a card from Janet, actually. Says the baby's doing fine and Saskatchewan's lovely. She's met a man. That was the carnival. Bit disappointing, apparently. <sighs> I rode with a carny once out of the swamps of the fetid south to thin, cool air of the Appalachians. I was the assistant to a one-eyed cowboy gynecologist with a man at limp and a fake Welsh accent. We made money after hours selling bottles of Dr. Bliss to one-eyed Indians who knew no better. Out of interest, Tom, do you know anyone with two eyes? No, not really. Well, there's you and me and the monkey makes three... Though, of course, he was blinded by an Alsatian belly dancer on a night of cheap brandy milk and half measures of Hall's mentholipsis. Uh, Tom, the thing is, we really do need someone in accounts. I knew a guy by the name of Fingers McNee once. Do you think he'd be any good? 
He ran the numbers game on the Lower East Side. Ten would get you 20 the day after the race had run, as long as you tipped him the wink. And never mentioned the name of the one girl he ever loved. A hooker with a cue ball eye. <laughs> and a built-up shoe made of banknotes from around the world and a bit of old Mustang seat leather. He knew the numbers better than anyone in Des Moines and could count to 26 without his socks. <laughs> Is he available? Available, yes. But sadly, not real. <laughs> right. You may want to try a temp agency. A one-eyed temp agency? If possible, yeah. <laughs> Cheers, Anne. Cheers, Anne. Right, thanks, thanks Anne. Cheers, Cheers, Anne. Thanks, Anne. Cheers, Anne. Thank you. Cheers. Sex. And drugs. And rock and roll. Deet, 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 deet. That is all I really need. Deet, 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 deet. Sex. And drugs. And rock and roll. Are very good indeed. indeed. To quote Ian Jury and his blockheads. Yet we would urge you most strongly to refrain from the sex and drugs aspect while inside the museum itself. At least until you reach the car park and or gift, gift shop. However, we are in a position to encourage both the rock and roll, as you are about to be taken on a tour through the history of rock and roll music. Where you will see a large number of animatronic pop stars. Or we say animatronic, they're actually badly dressed wax mannequins on a swivel base. Enjoy the tour. And don't take the brown acid. You may now select a voice for your audio commentary. Press 1 for... Generic transatlantic smoothie. Press 2 for... Jimmy Mallet! <laughs> or press 3 for... Johnny Rotten. You have selected Johnny Rotten. Hello, I'm Johnny Rotten. Back in the 70s, we swore on the telly when we weren't allowed to, and we were told to stop, and we didn't stop, and we swore again anyway, and they told us off. Anarchy. If you wish to change your audio commentary because you find it incredibly annoying, press a button quickly. You have selected generic transatlantic smoothie. Hello, folks. I think you'll find me relaxingly bland and anodyne. Follow me now as I take you on a hip-swinging journey back through the history of rock and roll. It's 2 million B.C., and rock and roll is in its infancy. <laughs> Neanderthal man first made music by banging stones together and uttering strange guttural grunts. It's a caveman's, man's, man's world, but it wouldn't be nothing, nothing without a cave woman or a cave girl. <laughs> Okay, folks, let's go forward now to a time when the Middle Ages didn't just mean the fan base for status quo. Medieval musicians were a dangerous, radical bunch. Police were often called in to stop the looting. Peace was only reached when everyone agreed to sign the Harps Accord. Of course, the ancient Greeks say they invented stringed instruments, but they're just liars. Top of the charts was King Henry VIII's massive floor filler hit and wedding classic, Green Sleeves. Ooh, 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 ooh. 
Pray, Sarah, what be that noise? It's my polyphonic carrier pigeon. <laughs> oh, I have a text. It carries messages from castle to castle and plays the latest hip tunes. Oh, verily, I am digging this. Uh, what other... <laughs> what other coup tones are available? Well, my liege, what say you to... Crazy Pigeon? After medieval rock and roll came classical music. Of course, back then, no one knew it would end up being classical, so they just called it music. Ah, Mozart, what heavenly music. Uh, thank you very much, Your Majesty. Yeah. Yeah. I must say, we loved your last opera, The Magic Flute. Oh, thank you. Had you thought maybe of a sequel, mm. you know, The Brilliant Bassoon? <laughs> the Incredible Recorder, perhaps The Littlest Oboe? Actually, Your Majesty, I have been working on a rock opera. A rock opera? Yeah. I am still tinkering with it, but uh, so far it is about a young, deaf, dumb, and blind kid who sure plays a mean swing ball. <laughs> For you, Tommy, I think the opera is over. The next major development in rock and roll was when jazz was invented. Not many people know that jazz is actually rock and roll played by people who've totally forgotten how the tune goes. <laughs> but then, in 1956, somebody realized that if you could sing and move your leg at the same time, you could make hundreds of girls fizzy. <laughs> But no matter how much they screamed at him, Elvis never spoke a word of English. <laughs> but now, for one night only, the king is resurrected. Ladies and gentlemen, mobs and rockers, it's time to enter rock and roll heaven. Hello, I'm rock and roll God. I'm a bit like the real God, but I wear shades. This is rock and roll heaven where all the dead rock stars come to form one great big supergroup in the sky. No, not the Travelling Wilburys. They were rubbish. <laughs> this is the real deal. On drums, Keith Moon. Now, he was killed by overdosing on the drugs he was taking to help him stop drinking. How rock and roll is that? Answer, very. On keyboards, Wolfgang Amadeus Mozart. <laughs> <laughs> On backing vocals, guitar, and probably heroin, Janis Joplin. Hey there, rock and rollers. I just thumbed a diesel down. She wasn't happy, but here I am. And now, on lead vocals, the greatest rock and roller of them all, Elvis Presley. Oh, <laughs> so, is everyone ready? got the greatest rock and roll band ever. Now for the greatest rock and roll song in the history of the world. Hold on to your pants. This riff's gonna make your eyes bleed. Take it away, Wolfgang. Eins, zwei, eins, zwei, drei, vier!
was the Museum of Everything, written and performed by Marcus Brigstock, Danny Robbins and Dan Tetzel with Lucy Montgomery. Original music by Dominic Haslam and Ben Walker. The producer was Alex Walsh-Taylor. Superstition exhibit is now open on floor 13, past the hall of broken mirrors, and underneath the ladder.